Welcome to the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast, Season 3. This podcast is for and about people getting ready for their first ever pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago in Spain, France, and Portugal. With your host, Camino guide and longtime pilgrim, Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. This is Nancy, happy to be back with you this week to share a conversation I had with two fabulous pilgrims from Melbourne, Australia, although I think they say it Melbourne, Australia. Before I get to that, though, I want to give you an update. I am so happy to share with you that last week I launched my Camino Frances Getting Started audio guide to the pilgrims on my email list. They got it first, as I told you they would, along with a special offer as a thank you for being on my email list. Now, I am pleased to tell you that you are next. What is this audio guide all about? I'm wondering if you have ever felt that you're missing something as you plan and prepare for your pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago that nagging feeling that you've forgotten or missed a big step in the planning process, or maybe you suspect there's something you should be asking about, but you don't know what it is. One of the biggest obstacles in planning to walk the Camino is that there is so much information available online, but it's, well, literally all over the place. There doesn't seem to be any one resource that takes you from that spark of interest to your first steps on the trail and then on to Santiago de Compostela, step by step, in order, not missing anything. Until now. I spend a lot of time online, on Facebook and other forums, answering questions about the Camino and helping first-timers sort out how to make this happen. But oh my, planning your Camino this way is a bit like trying to get a sip of water from a fire hose. So much information, in no particular order, all over the place. That's why I started this podcast, the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast, and that's why I created the Camino Frances Getting Started Audio Guide so that you can start at the beginning, learn about the Camino, and then plan your pilgrimage your way. So you can answer the question, can I really do this? With a confident yes. And so you will have with you on the trail a friend, someone who knows the trail, but who stays in the background while you discover it for yourself. If you like the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast, you are going to love the Camino Frances Getting Started audio guide. It picks you up where the podcast leaves off and accompanies you the rest of the way, from home to Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port and on to Santiago. The guide has more than 40 audio sessions, 10 or more videos, and a bunch of worksheets, 
checklists, planning calendars, and informational PDFs that answer all your Camino planning questions and empower you to create the Camino experience you are dreaming of. It has two parts. The first part is like a tutorial or online course. And the second part is an on-the-trail guide. Um, actually, it's me in your ear on the Camino with you as you get started on the way. To find out all about the audio guide, you can follow the link in the show notes for this episode, or you can go to my website, thecaminoexperience.com, and you'll see a link for the audio guide right there on my homepage. I also want to give you a bonus that's just for my podcast listeners who purchase the audio guide. I'm going to send you a special bonus PDF called, How Long Does It Take to Walk the Camino Frances? This is a 15-page document that walks you through answering that question for yourself so you can discover what kind of Camino experience you want and how long it will last. To get the bonus, what you need to do is put the word podcast into the registration form right in the comments section. Podcast. Easy. And that will prompt me to send you the bonus PDF. Now, let me give you some fine print on the audio guide. First, the guide is specifically for the Camino Frances route and specifically for those pilgrims starting in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port. If you are walking any other route or starting the Frances from any other place, you simply won't get the value out of the audio guide. Second, this guide is so full of information that you need to get it at least a month before you plan to walk the Camino. And more time is better. Actually, three to six months or even more is best, so you can take your time and digest and apply the content. So if you don't have at least a month until you leave for the Camino, I just can't promise you'll get the value out of the guide. If you have questions, feel free to email me at you on the Camino at gmail.com. Now, before I get to my guests, I need to say thank you to a few people. First, thank you to everyone who purchased the audio guide last week. Eddie, Tron, Maurice, James, Muriel, Mara, Stuart, Evan, Xavier, Claire, Greddy, Joelle, Carolyn, John, Liz, June, Barbara, Lynn, George, Adam, and another Claire. Thank you for trusting me and for allowing me to share in your Camino journey. I really can't tell you how much that means to me. And another thank you to everyone who has responded to my invitation to be a guest on this podcast. I now have so many people interested that I think season three is booked out. If you are still thinking you would like to be a guest on the podcast, and you are walking in 2024, I would love to hear from you so I can add you to the list for season four. Unfortunately, I won't be able to include anyone else who is walking in 2023 unless you are planning for a winter Camino starting in November or later. Again, thank you, everyone. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to help you share your stories and 
to help you get ready for your first Camino. Now, are we ready to meet my two pilgrims? We have Fiona and Dawn, two moms from Melbourne, Australia, who are leaving their kids and husbands for two months while they walk the Camino Frances. One of the things I love about these two ladies is how well thought out their plan is. And it's not because they are unconsciously over-planning or over-preparing out of fear. It's because they are mindfully creating their Camino experience. As I release this episode, Fiona and Don are about to take their first steps on the Camino. Here we go. This is Nancy back again with a conversation with two pilgrims this time who are getting ready to walk the Camino Frances. And I am feeling really fortunate because I just caught them almost as they were headed to the airport to get a chance to talk with them. Let's say hello to Don and Fiona from Melbourne, Australia. Hi, ladies. Hello, Nancy. Thank you so much for having us. We're uh, yeah, really huge fans, so fangirling to start off with and just so happy to be here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hey, Fiona. Hi, really looking forward to our chat today. I've got lots of questions, so I can't wait. Excellent. You know, I'm at the point in the podcast where I don't want to write any more scripts to answer questions and think about it in great detail. I love the off-the-cuff, impromptu, let's answer the questions that are on your mind because we have covered so much ground in the podcast. Now we're down to the really nitty-gritty specific stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay, so let's um, let's just get a little bit of history. Um, would one of you just give us the background of how you got here and how you decided to walk the Camino together? Go for it, Fiona. I think Fiona probably has the the best yet yeah, the, best, the okay. best aspect of this. Sure. Uh, so Dawn and I have known each other for quite a number of years. We used to work together, uh, and ourselves and and a few girlfriends do some regular walks and. Um, some long distance walking where you talk about everything and anything. And um, one thing that comes up quite often is the journeys that we want to go on, the bucket list adventures that we'd like to take on um, sort of, yeah, over the next few years. And Camino has come up time and time again. So, uh, yeah, over the last few years, we kept saying, that's it, we've got to do it. We've just got to book it. Um, so we booked it in and um, did have to defer it for a couple of years because of COVID, but kept saying, up, nope, we'll put it still on the radar, we'll still do it and finally get there. And um, that's why we're here heading off tomorrow. So very, very exciting um, to be going, but yeah, really, really looking forward to what we find walking together and chatting. And it's very cathartic for the two of us and looking forward to it. Excellent. Don, anything you would add to that? Yeah, I think just um, for us, you know, because it has been such a delayed time is, um, actually the buildup of it and the length that we've had to prepare has actually been almost just as special that we've, you know, we've had such a long time to, you know, do research and to hear about other experiences, but also to really kind of, it's been time for it to sink in to say, no, this is actually, this is, we need to do this. This is a calling. This is something we, you know, just have to do for so many reasons. Um, and luckily because Fiona is such a fabulous um logistical queen and locks things in, it's happening. Wow. That's amazing. So you said you talked about the walking part and that you really enjoy walking together and having conversations. You could do that anywhere. Why the Camino? 
Really good question. I just think there is something about it. We've obviously both watched The Way and um, thought, you know, that just is absolutely inspiring to watch. And yeah, it's just one of those places that I think it's just called to us for so many years that we've talked about and gone, yeah, that's something we'd like to do. And it's, you know, obviously coming from Australia, it's a a long way away. So it feels like a real adventure um, to be going that sort of distance, you know, flying for 24 hours to get there to do it. So yeah, just we love the idea of, you know, stopping along the way at the bars and, you know, sitting down for a glass of wine for lunch. And it just seems very civilised. <laughs> a lovely, lovely way, you know, to, to meet different people. And we love the idea of the community of, on the Camino and just meeting mm-hmm. different people. So there's so many aspects of it that it just seems like such an adventure, but still to be able to do it in quite a civilised way. Uh, yeah, is definitely uh, a plus not to be having to camp each night and, and things like that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that sh- certainly gives you a different experience. Yeah, Don, what would you add to that? Yeah, I think, you know, additionally to that, because we have had that. So I have had that question from my husband to say, there's lots of beautiful walks in Australia and there absolutely is for anybody listening. But I think it is, as you know, Fiona said, just to add to it's that challenge and the community and just the experience that the Camino brings you, which seems to be really unique to anything else, you know, that, that's, that's out there or anything, you know, that we've experienced or, or heard. Mm, okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take a stab at this one. You said you've seen the movie The Way and many people have been inspired to walk the Camino because they saw that movie. What are you going to do if it's not like that? I think I fully expect it not to be like that. I think there will be, there'll be tears, there'll be blisters, there'll be days where we don't want to talk to each other, don't want to walk together, all that sort of stuff. And we're very open about that, that each of us are walking our own Camino. So whatever that looks like for each of us, it could be different on different days and we're respectful of that. Um, so yeah, I think the ways are great movie to watch and the scenery and that idea of community is amazing. But I think everybody's Camino would be completely different. So fully expect that it will be our own adventures and, you know, we'll be going through different stages at different times and um, different emotions and um, that's okay. It's, it's an independent thing. So um, I think that's probably why I'm quite confident with going and doing the, something like the Camino with Dawn is because we are pretty open and easygoing and we've had that discussion and that understanding that um, we're just going to yeah walk our own pilgrimage and and um both be respectful of that great yeah don yeah absolutely although i've got to say i wouldn't mind coming across somebody having an internal battle with themselves on some hay bales um (laughs) i feel like that would just be so entertaining uh but i think for both of us and fiona can correct me if i'm wrong you know that definitely kind of cemented the movie but i think i both of us were actually thinking about it and having you know those kind of that drop previous to to you know that movie kind of you know coming out or and that just um you know or even the first time we saw it then but you know I think that just kind of set it in but absolutely we know you know every every journey is different and even though as Fiona said we're walking together our Caminos will be different to each other even though you know we'll yeah be there together so and that's I think that's really special and and as Fiona said to be able to actually walk with somebody because I know there's a lot of people who do it themselves and to be able to actually have that permission and that understanding is just going to, you know, it takes the pressure off. So we can just go, yep, yeah, it's it's going to be what it's going to be. 
Oh, it's great. It's a great attitude going in. I remember one year I was leading a group and I met a woman from outside my group who actually said, this isn't like the movie The Way. And she was really upset about that. <laughs> and I'm hearing so many people who watch a little, maybe a few too many YouTube videos before they go and they have a picture in their mind of what this is going to be. And then when it gets hard, they don't know what to do with that. Yeah. It's yeah. funny because I am an over planner. So when Dawn <laughs> talks about my logistic prowess, it's about <laughs> I over plan everything and over analyze everything. And I've actually really tried to make the choice not to do that too much for the Camino. So I don't want to set those expectations up. We're using a company that's booked our accommodation because I know I would get so invested in it and I would be disappointed if something didn't go right. So I actually need to take a step back from it. And I know that's just my personality that I do get too involved and do overthink things. So um, yeah, I've purposefully taken a step back to try and not watch too much or book. Yeah. Like look at too much stuff on the internet, things like that. So I can just enjoy it. And then what happens happens. Great approach. Yeah. It's a great approach. You know, sometimes when people do what we say, is over plan. It's actually that they love doing it. We love it. And, and one of you said earlier that whole, the whole experience for you started when you started planning this and when you said yes to it. And some of us actually just love that part of it and, and we'll walk and it'll be great. And it'll be that experience, but the preparation is part of the experience says, says one planner to the other, you know, <laughs> Yeah, Don, I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, that's okay. I was jumping in. I'm too excited, Nancy. <laughs> um, uh, I think um, it, it is a really interesting point, you know, just talking about it. The last couple of days, I have had this really funny feeling, which I've been kind of trying to process of, of a little bit of sadness or grief that this bit is finishing, even though there's like, but the good bit's coming. We're hopping on an airplane. We're going, you know, this is like something we've been waiting forever. But there's part of me going, oh, but yeah, but it means it's here and, and all of that, you know, all that anticipation, it's like waiting for, you know, Christmas as a kid, you know, Christmas Eve, it's, it's that anticipation piece, which has been really fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. It, it reminds me of something I say all the time. It, you only ever get one first Camino. You'll never again be experiencing this version of anticipation and excitement And I just say, you know, first kiss time, savor that thing. Just be with it and love on it. Yeah, good. Well, how about we take a moment to put the pin in the map, as I like to say. And if you would share with us your itinerary, what your plans are, where you'll start, how much time you'll take and where you'll finish. We're doing the Camino Francaise and we're going to start at St. John Peterport. And we're walking, we're actually walking all the way to Finisterre. So um, going all the way to the ocean, which is very, very exciting. That wasn't the plan originally, but Dawn prompted with, I've got to walk to the ocean. So California we, we girl. <laughs> so we added the, those last few days in to do that. So we're taking about 45 days. Um, so we've actually planned in a rest day every week. Mm. Um, so just once a week, we're going to have a day yeah, at a lovely town and and just relax and enjoy it. Yeah. So that's the plan and we'll see how it pans out when we actually get there. Sounds great. Sounds really great. Is there any 
one place or part that you already are really looking forward to? It's an interesting one. It's probably not necessarily a place, but I think from listening, you know, through your um, podcast and and those that have shared who've been, the 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 squares. I think of the towns like the I I don't know if they're um the the calles or or that you know that main plaza area. Yeah, the Plaza Mayor. Yeah, Plaza yeah. Mayor is um, and we've been doing our our Spanish lessons, so we're hoping we've got a little bit there. Um, I should be better as a native Californian, but um, <laughs> I'm self-professed not. But yeah, I think for me, those, they just sound like really special, interesting spots. So I think that's probably in, in my head, yeah, what I've been anticipating. Right. Yeah. Five o'clock every day, it seems the whole town comes out to the plaza and it's just a wonderful experience. You probably can relate, Don, as a California native as well. There's just, we just don't have that here. When people go out and gather, it's maybe at a shopping mall and that loses its appeal pretty quickly in my, in my opinion. But to be in these plazas where you can see life lived right out front in front of you is just really fun. I love it. Great. Fiona, anything for you? One, one city I'm really looking forward to seeing is um, Burgos. So I've heard, yeah, it's absolutely spectacular. And we've got a rest day there actually to explore. So that's one city I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I actually am looking forward to the Maceta. And I know that's not, that's probably the one area that people say that they're not looking forward to. But I've just heard so many stories uh, of people walking the Maceta and saying that that's really where you, you, you take the time to think and and digest what's going on. So I'm actually quite looking forward to that stage um, just to see what happens. By the time you start the meseta, you've worked out all the physical aspects. You've got your day pack or your backpack settled. You know where everything is in your suitcase. Your body is getting strong and you're feeling good. And then you can just go within and see what, what's going on upstairs, you know, and what your mind, what the chatter is. And Something about the rhythm of walking tends to quiet it a little bit. It's like a walking meditation. Yeah. The Meseta is a special place. And in my experience, that's where you find some of the best hospitality of the whole Camino, families who have served the pilgrims for generations. And it's just, to me, a very special place. Yeah. And yeah, but it can be challenging for sure. Yeah, cool. I I want you to share with us, if you would, a little bit about your home circumstances, because you told me that you both have children at home. And I think you might inspire some people who are thinking about doing it, but don't know if they could work out the logistics or don't know if they could leave their children for any amount of time. And so would you just share how you're working out the family situation? Yeah, sure thing. So um, we're both mums who work full time and have um, kids at home and husbands at home as well. Um, and we are very, very fortunate that we've been able to um, plan for this and work this in um, because, yeah, it's not an easy thing to leave home for a, a couple of months. Right. So, yeah, we've got um, teenage daughters uh, that, you know, are, are fantastic girls and, you know, will help out their dads at home and um, really, you know, step up. And it's actually probably a really good thing for their independence. And mm-hmm. and I feel it's actually a really important thing for them to see their mums aiming for something and doing it and achieving something special. 
And yeah, it has been a fair bit of planning to be able to get the significant time off work and then to be sure that we can actually take that time away from family. And I know both of us have left little lists and little packs and things like that at home, like birthday cards and things like <laughs> that for while we're away. So, you know, we've tried to set it up um, so it's a little bit easier for the husbands at home. But we're both fortunate. We've got brilliant husbands that are just, you know, so active, you know, dads and and really have pushed us and and said, no, you need to go do this. So very, very fortunate to be able to do that. Great. Don, anything to add? Yeah, I, I've said I've said it to friends and 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 people before that um, I think my husband is the better parent anyway. <laughs> he just seems to have it together better than I do. Um, you know, he's a bit more domesticated than I am. Um, you know, he's a bit more routine than I am. But uh, you know, as Fiona said, I think it's really important. And you know, my um, uh, my husband and, and child have a great great relationship and one that's really strong that I think this will absolutely strengthen. And, um, you know, I think it is really important working in a sector where, you know, gender equality is not there. It's really important for me to show, you know, my child that this, you know, this is something that can be achieved and is going to be achieved by your mum or, you know, Australian mum. And I think that the other thing that we're really lucky with coming from Australia is that the the leave arrangements and annual leave and holidays we, you know, it, it helps make it possible. But I think where there's a will, there's a way. I have a very, very strong philosophy of that. Yes. Um, and yeah, and and we have the support systems around us as well. We have friends who will help, you know, and, and have said, you know, if somebody needs help, you know, with an after school pickup or that type of thing. So it's it's that planning and that building of that community around you that it doesn't just have to be you. And yes. yeah. Yeah. That is so good. And I just love the example that you're setting for your girls. I just love that. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. I am curious, have you plotted and planned or thought out any ways for your kids to be involved in your journey? Will they be participating in some way? Yeah. So we we absolutely have. And, and that's been something that I think, you know, has been helpful. The fact that there's two of us together, that we've actually been bouncing ideas even off of each other. So. I've uh, hopped online and ordered the, you know, this big poster of the trail and I've actually highlighted where we're stopping each day, which doesn't necessarily correspond with, you know, the major towns Okay. and, you know, put the day and that type of thing and how many kilometers and we're going to use, you know, a couple kind of different social media apps, you know, so, you know, your WhatsApp or your messenger or something like that to, to have those kind of check-ins. Initially, I think, um, you know, my daughter thought that, they'd be able to come over and kind of visit us occasionally, but um, that's not possible with schooling and work. And yeah, Yeah, if it was maybe a little closer, that would be good. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Yeah. How many hours of travel do you have ahead of you to get to Europe? It's 24 hours of flying to get to Paris from Melbourne. Wow. Oof. Okay. And Fiona, anything for you to add on that and how, how you're involving the family? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've been getting, um, well, my girls have been watching a lot of the videos and YouTube clips and things like that in the preparation. And they are also in scouts. So they are keen hikers and campers and travelers and, and things like that. So even talking about different equipment and and gear to wear and things like that. They've come along with me for a lot of the trips to the stores to have a look at the options and 
try different things. And, you know, when Dawn and I have done training walks and things like that, they've been quite intrigued with it. So I can see already they're thinking about their journeys and what they're going to do down the track, which is fantastic. And and I think probably over the next few years, I'll end up doing a Camino with, um, with one of them, if not both of them. So definitely setting up for that in the future. But yeah, you can see already the thoughts are happening and they're liking to be involved in it and and the planning and my youngest in particular loves Paris and the thought of Paris. So because we're there for the first few days, we're meant to be recovering from jet lag, although I think we've planned so much in that we won't be. But anyway, (laughs) um, so um, she's been really involved in in that and um, has absolutely loved it. So it's sad that they're not coming, but also yeah. I can see there's opportunities for the future and what they'll be involved in. Yeah, definitely. You might need to be careful. You'll end up leading a whole scout trip on the Camino. <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Don, anything to add? Absolutely. So that's a conversation that we've had as well. Even though we're about to embark on our first one, there's already been you know, discussions about the other routes. So, you know, the Portuguese route in particular looks very intriguing. And so my daughter and I have already talked about, well, maybe that's our journey. You know, my, my husband, as much as he's very outdoorsy and and has had a really outdoors, you know, kind of uh, background, the knees are starting to failing from telemark skiing. (laughs) So the the long walks aren't necessarily his thing anymore, but we've already said, you know, as, as Fiona mentioned, maybe that's our thing. Maybe you know, maybe a, a Portuguese route in the future is uh, is the go. Love it. Anything else you'd like to share before we get to your questions? I think, although maybe it is, maybe it is a question, but I think, you know, just listening to your podcast and listening to, you know, the, the, the pilgrims who have gone before and those that are planning that real piece and, and Fiona spoke to it before of, you know, the Masetta and that kind of thinking and that introspection and, you know, you know, what, what is this going to be and who am I going to be at the end of it? Am I going to be different? It's really exciting, but it's really daunting as well. Sure. Think, will I still love the same things? Yeah. Will I still want to be as busy as I am now? Mm. You know, it's, yeah, it's, I suppose it's, it's something that we've talked about. That's, you know, again, really exciting to, to think, you know, what is this going to do to my life? And, mm. and yeah, there's the, the, the two sides of the coin that, oh my gosh, amazing. So many possibilities. And then, oh, what does that mean? Oh, for yeah, So many possibilities. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think you're really wise to think about that ahead of time going into it. It's the old idea of start with the end in mind. Many people say that the Camino begins in Santiago. But yeah, so if we think about that, I like to I like to ask the question, what have you put on hold in your life or maybe what dream have you forgotten about that could come back to life? after you walk the Camino, because one of the things you often walk away from the Camino with is an incredible sense of empowerment that, oh, I could do this. I can do anything. And so what's, what got left behind, what got forgotten that could come back? And it could be something completely new and different. We just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. One, one of my pilgrims from one of my groups, uh, after walking the Camino went off and started building houses for habitat for humanity around the world. And another one went and trekked in the Himalayas, you know? So, wow, we, we just don't know. And that's the exciting thing. That's when you'll come back 
on the podcast after you walk and tell us all about it. Excellent. All right. So shall we get to your questions? Great. All right. Let me have them. Go for it. Do you want to go first, Dawn? Yeah, sure. Um, so you've spoken a bit about this, uh, Nancy, and it's one that will definitely affect me. So let's talk food. <laughs> and I know we've talked food in the past. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm a vegetarian as well. Yay. And I think from what I'm hearing that there is lots of choices and we've done a little bit of research, but I do have a concern because I do have a fructose intolerance. And as a oh. vegetarian, the fact that half of the vegetables don't love me is an interesting oh, one. Yeah. Well, how can they not love you? You're very lovable. <laughs> See, I love them. They just don't love me. Okay. Um, so I suppose it's an interesting one, you know, and, and one that's obviously you've got to take that personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, just that, that unknown of, you know, the choices that are out there and yeah, being, you know, really mindful of, you know, is it going to be something that's going to be a hurdle or, um, you know, is it something that, yeah, it's going to be actually, uh, it, you know, it, it won't put too much, hopefully kind of thought process into what's, going to be a, a hopefully very, you know, just kind of freeing experience. Mm, I gotcha. Yeah. So when you say half of half of a food group, you can't eat, is it something that has a very negative reaction and you hardline cannot ingest them or it's better if you don't? Uh, probably in the middle. Okay. Definitely not great. And depending on where we are, <laughs> but um, it will, yeah, it will provide great discomfort, but it won't okay. kill me. I gotcha. I gotcha. And maybe out on the trail, it's not going to be a great experience to have these results. Exactly. Okay. I gotcha. You may have heard this tip before that one thing that you can do when you have dietary restrictions is write them down in Spanish and have them on a card to give to your server so that you can actually say that it says in Spanish, I cannot eat or I do not eat these five things or these things here. And then make sure that you know the words in Spanish for those things. So when you're looking at a menu, you can pick out, you know, what you can and can't eat. And will you be, you, you'll be staying in, you're not staying in albergues, correct? No, we, I think maybe one or two towards the end, or maybe not, I can't remember, but yeah, largely not. Okay. And so that means that you'll be eating in restaurants you, so you're not going to be cooking yeah. your meals. Yeah. And, and that's one tip for people who have dietary restrictions where the albergues are really helpful. If they have a kitchen, you can prepare your own meals. If you're going to be eating out at restaurants, then you just have to get very savvy at ordering and making sure that nothing that you can't eat ends up on your plate. And then it won't take you very long to figure out what to focus on. So you'll be able to see how the menus are typically constructed. For example, a pilgrim's meal or a um, menu, menu del dia, menu of the day, will have three courses. There'll be a starter that has a salad and a pasta and a soup are the main primary things that will be on that menu. And the salad, and here's the trick, they love to put tuna on salads. So you have to know the word sin atun if you don't eat fish. And then the second course is usually the meat course. So it'll be things that a vegetarian wouldn't eat, like some kind of beef, some kind of fish, some kinds of chicken, and some kind of pork. And for vegetarians, often what they say is, well, you get two of the starters then. So you get a salad and a soup or a salad and macaroni or soup and macaroni. And to me, I get a little disappointed. It's not very high value for me. 
not just nutritionally, but dollars, you know, euros. Okay. So I'm paying the same as a person is paying for a meat-based meal and I'm getting a little salad and a bowl of soup. And as a value-focused person, I get a little frustrated. So I have learned not to eat the pilgrim's menus because I just don't find them satisfying. I was going to say, I think that's what I've already kind of got in my head yeah. is exactly that. I think it's, it's not going to be something for me. Yeah. And then the third course is a dessert course. And that might be a flan, something ice cream, something chocolate, and a piece of fruit to choose from, maybe a cup of yogurt. And so you're, you'll very quickly get a sense of what's typically on offer so you can learn what to order and what to focus on. And then the other thing, pilgrims' menus are what pilgrims are told they eat on the, on the Camino, but that doesn't mean that is what you eat. So, for example, when you're in the larger cities, oh my gosh, the food is amazing. And there are even restaurants that specialize in vegetarian meat. Like, that's it, vegetarian restaurant. And they're wonderful. Then you stock up, you know, like eat everything and then you'll, you'll be fine for a couple of days. But yeah, it can be a little bit tricky, but it's really just paying really close attention to what's typically on offer and knowing what will suit you. And then the other tip I may, I think I said this in one of the episodes is I try to finish walking early enough so I can have the menu of the day instead of the pilgrim's menu. And I find that that's better value. And it's better quality food because they're making it for the local people and they need them to come back again and again. They don't so much need the pilgrims to come back again and again. So, or the individual pilgrim to eat at the same place again. Yeah. So is that served earlier? Is it, that's a lunchtime thing? Is yes. Two yes. Sort of- yeah. And that's the great thing about that though, is that lunch in Spain is from one thirty in the afternoon till, till three thirty or four. And so if you get an early start walking and you're, even if you're walking, say 20 kilometers, you could be done by one or two without too much trouble, without even rushing and then get a quick shower. If you get to the restaurant by three o'clock, you'll get the menu of the day or whatever else they're serving, because many places will also have combination plates or just other things. And you can order off the menu. You can order a plate of grilled vegetables. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I think that's our plan is to start early and try and have it have like finished our day by early afternoon, mm-hmm. particularly because we're walking in August. Yes. So, you know, we'll have the heat there. But yeah, that's sort of in our head. And we're not great walking on a full stomach as well. We're not the type of people can eat a big meal and then keep right. walking. So no. I think that's in our head. That's our plan is to get going early and then try and finish at a reasonable time in the afternoon and just relax a bit. Yeah, good. Um, yeah. Good. Does that answer your question, Don? Absolutely. I was going to think the other option is just vino. So, or sangria, but Drink. I probably, yeah, but I probably need food as well. So yes, <laughs> thank you, Nancy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, is there are supermarkets all along the way. And in the larger cities, the supermarkets offer those cold case packaged food things like a, like a box of salad or Um, You know, and of course, I don't know your specifics on what you can eat, but in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port, the grocery store has tabula. I buy tabula in Saint-Jean, you know, and that's my, that's my snack for the first day on the trail. You'll start to get a sense of what's sold in the supermarkets. That's, that's, you know, carry away. I got this, take that out. So you'll, you'll get a sense pretty quickly of what's on offer and where, and those supermarkets will be great options for you. Perfect. Yeah. 
I've got a question around food as well. Um, yeah. You can sort of see where our focus has been in the planning <laughs> stages. Um, but it's around um, sharing like a pilgrim's meal. Yeah. So I know, like, for example, in Ron Savias, I think there's three places you can go to where they serve the pilgrim's meal. And um, we love that idea of community and chatting to people from all over the world. Yeah. Obviously, we're staying in hotels, so we, we're a little bit concerned about missing out on some of that, not being in the albergues. But can we still access things like, you know, the large pilgrim meals and, and things like that to sit down and chat to other people? That's a great question. And the answer lies in where it's being served. So if the pilgrim's meal is being served at an albergue, that typically will be available only for the guests at the albergue. Typically but not always. So you could, if you're in with a group of friends and you know they're going to be someplace with a pilgrim meal, you could simply go to the hospitalero and ask if you can join the meal. And many of those will be donativo and you can make say up front, I understand it's donation and I expect to donate. to, to and, and you could even say, I'm happy to just pay for the meal and let them know how you will participate. If it is at a restaurant, so you mentioned Roncesvalles, so I'll share a little bit about that. There are three kitchens there, which, as you said, two of them do serve the pilgrims' menus outright. That's all they do. And in Roncesvalles, you most likely will have a trout on your plate, a whole fish on your plate. If you're a vegetarian, <laughs> I've eaten a lot of eggs in Roncesvalles. So what I do in Roncesvalles is I go to the hotel restaurant. Are you staying at the Hotel Roncesvalles? Yes, we are. Yeah, high five. <laughs> <laughs> I love that place. It's such a gorgeous old building. And the restaurant has both menus and a la carte items. And they make a gorgeous goat cheese salad. Absolutely gorgeous. I know, now we want to go eat. And they, yeah. have, they have just different things on the menu. It's more like a menu of the day in the evening. And so... So particularly in Roncesvalles for quality of food, it is a little bit more expensive, but to my mind, it's worth the investment. And by the way, you just climb the mountain. So you, you deserve it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But any place you see a restaurant or a bar serving a meal, absolutely. Everybody can join in on that, that pilgrim meal. Fantastic. That sounds great. Yeah. Excellent. The next one, Nancy, that we have, and it kind of goes to Fiona's just um, mentioned it. So we are staying in, you know, hotels and that type of thing, not necessarily the albergues. And so there's a little bit of, you know, are we missing out? But I don't think we will, as we spoke to before, each of our Caminos is our Camino. Mm -hmm. And we are having our main bag moved every day. So we will have our day packs and we will have that. One of the things that we've discussed is that judgment piece of, you know, we've, we've both done several multi-day hikes where we've carried our pack and we've done that. Like we've got our badge of honor that yes, we've done it. Yes. We know we can do it. Yeah. But we want this Camino to be about us not rushing from one to the next and also giving ourselves the best chance and the best experience to be in the present. And so I know we are both nervous about that judgment piece of people saying, and I've heard you speak about this before of, you know, not being a real pilgrim, which, you know, we don't, we don't subscribe to. We absolutely, we're, we're pilgrims. We, we get that. But, you know, how do we, and, and again, a lot of it has to be us just, you know, brushing it off. But I, you know, we're nervous. I'm nervous about the, mm. the judgment piece that comes along with it. Mm. Yeah. 
the thing I would, I would start with, this isn't where we'll finish, but I would start with, do you have any judgment of yourself on this? Are you completely confident in your choices? Great. So yeah. that's the place to stand and stand in that you know what you're doing and why. Now, here's my little trick. I like to ask questions. When somebody says something that's judging, I like to say things like, hmm, what do you mean? And let them explain themselves because it's their opinion. It's their thought. It's their misconception, not mine. So whatever question or judgment you might get isn't about you. It's about the person saying it. And it could be just an, you know, kind of an off-base attitude, but it could also be misinformation. So I, I like to ask, I, I, where did you hear that? Or what makes you think that? And I like to actually have a conversation. Well, let's let, yeah. So tell me more. I mean, I, I don't actually share that view. So can you, I'd love to hear why you think that. And it completely disarms people. And then if they go off and they've got strong opinions and they throw their opinions at you, then you're, you can be even clearer that it's not you, that it's them. One of my favorite, favorite moments on the second day, I was leading a group and, and I like to let my group get ahead of me so I can sweep and be the last person up the mountain. And I stay and have coffee with the owner at Orson. And then I start walking. And by the time I started walking, someone from St. Jean had caught up. I mean, that's like a two and a half hour walk. And this guy had, had caught up and he, he looked at me funny, like, I know you're not ahead of me. So what are you doing here? And I said, oh yeah, I stayed here last night. And he said, well, isn't that cheating? And I was like, huh, okay. Where does that idea come from? If you look at who sets the parameters or who sets the rules for the Camino, it ha- we have to go back to the church in the cathedral and the church office in Santiago de Compostela. The only thing they say is that in order to meet their requirements of being a pilgrim, you have to walk the final 100 kilometers into Santiago on any route. And if you do do that, you get the Compostela. If you present yourself at the office and you haven't walked the last 100 kilometers, but you present documents that say you have, to my mind, that's lying. (laughs) That's not cheating. (laughs) That's like you're making up stuff. So what is cheating? It's sort of one of those beauty in the eye of the beholder things that, yeah, only you can say. If you say, I'm going to walk every step of this Camino, that's my medal of honor, that's what I am doing, and then you take the bus, you could say that you cheated, but nobody else can. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I hear it a lot. And I just kind of giggle now. I'm like, oh, that's, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I like to go back to when, when I'm feeling particularly, you know, like maybe I want to get into it with someone is, well, talk to me about the medieval pilgrims. Talk to me about how they did it. So if you had somebody who had the means to stay at an inn, do you think that they're going to sleep on the ground outside and camp? Probably not. So this idea of what a true pilgrim is, is a fairly recent phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenon. (laughs) It's a fairly recent phenomenon. The albergue system is only about mm, 35 or 40 years old. And before that, people slept wherever they could afford to sleep. And maybe that was indoors, maybe that was outdoors. But the modern albergues as we know them 
It's only 35 to 40 years old. And there was actually a group of people who got together, uh, some association in Spain that said, let's get this thing going and let's provide accommodations. And so they did, and they created the albergues. And when I first walked in 2005, there were about 110 albergues from Roncesvalles to Santiago. And now there are more than 450. If those albergues weren't there, this thing wouldn't work because there were not enough in rooms, rooms at the inn for the, all the pilgrims who want to walk. So, you know, we have what we have. We don't all live our lives the same way. Some have houses, some have apartments, some rent rooms. Why would we walk the Camino the same way? Really interesting point. And yeah. I think something for us to remember. And yeah, I, I didn't realize that it's only in the, at the last 35 to 40 years that the albergues have even come yeah. into play. It takes the, the your, it's your Camino discussion to a different place. And I think it takes it to a really healthy place so that you can be free of other people's opinions and trust that you're doing what's right for you. A question I've got is um, we're walking obviously to Finisterre. So um, we, the company that we've used um, takes us to Santiago and then we've ended up booking the last few days. And that's where we actually are staying at um, some albergues. We haven't organized our bags to be transported at that stage so we're we're looking at we've got two options we can either find a company if there's one that will actually keep moving our bags or is there an option to like rent a backpack or something like that from Santiago so we can do those last few days it's only Hmm. three days and and actually carry out our things for those last few days before we come back to Santiago do you know if there's any options for that that's a great question. And the place that I would look would be not maybe not to rent, but to borrow or to see if somebody has left something behind. There's a place called Pilgrim House. It's called Terra Nova Pilgrim House. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, it's run by an American couple and, and a bunch of volunteers. And they're open every day except for Sunday and Wednesday. And people bring gear there. They bring things there when they're done with the Camino. So if you need new trekking poles, Pilgrim House would be the place to go. They may, they may occasionally have backpacks left behind. Yeah. So that's, that could be an option. And you also can get luggage transport. There are companies that serve that part of the trail. And the way that you would do it is you would just talk to your host at your hotel and ask them, what company can I use to transport my bags? They will know. And if they don't know, then the, where would I go? The Pilgrim House would be able to put you in the right direction. And the tourist information office, which is very close to Pilgrim House, would be able to answer that question as well. Yeah. Now, I did want to ask one question. You said three days from Santiago de Fistera, 30 kilometer days? Big days. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we had a deadline at the end there. So okay. um, we've got a rest day at Santiago and then, um, yeah, the three days. So okay. yes, we know we'll be pushing those, those few days. Okay. <laughs> All right. And, and as a backup plan, there is bus service in the area. So if you needed to take a bus to knock off 10, 20 kilometers of that, you could. That was Another question I had was around the transport. So coming back when we're finished and coming yeah. back to Santiago is a Saturday. 
Um, and we've got to come back to catch a train to Porto. Okay. So the bus on the Saturday seems to go right along the coastline and it takes three hours to get back to Santiago. And there's only one bus, I believe, that day. Okay. Is there tra- uh, like taxis or other transport options that we can book to come back? Yeah. Yeah. You could book a taxi. I'm, I'm certain that you would find a taxi in Fistera or Museo, wherever you are. Yeah. You certainly could, could do that. Excellent. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. Only one bus on a Saturday. That's surprising. Yeah. I think there's one in the morning and maybe one later in the day. Mm-hmm. There's not, not a lot of options and they seem to go, yeah, everywhere um, rather than just coming back. Whereas midweek, there's lots and lots of options. So Yeah. Which it's a beautiful ride, but it's three hours on a bus isn't quite as appealing as it sounds. Yeah. Agreed. Is, is that with, <laughs> is that with Monbus? M-O-N-B-U-S? Yes. Okay. Yes. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. A taxi could be an option. The other thing, if you get there and decide, you know what, maybe we won't walk. Maybe we just want to go there and spend a couple of days on the coast. There are car rental companies that you can book online and pick up the car by the train station if you feel adventurous and willing to drive on the wrong side of the road in Spain. Uh, that That's an easy way. And I find car rentals to be not too expensive in Spain. Yeah. So that's an option as well. Could be an option. I, I won't project and say it is an option for you too, but it could be an option. We'll see how we're going. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely. I think the the idea of driving after not having driven for, you know, a month and a half, is it looks like, oh, could I do it? Yeah, it's intense. Yeah. I must say that it would feel more natural to me, obviously, with, um, you know, where I've originally come from <laughs> that it went, than it probably would for Fiona. Yeah, good point. Good point. And, and if you get a car at the train station, it will be a manual transmission. If you need an automatic, you'd need to go probably to the airport. All right. What other questions do you have? Nancy, I've got another one, and it's um, it's probably a bit of a um, uh, has the potential to be a you know an emotional one. Is uh, so we've talked about the cruise de Ferro and yeah. you know the, the do you don't you, and I know that it is traditionally a stone, and from what I've kind of seen and read, they're trying to really keep people from bringing things that are you know not natural. So part of my walk is I, I lost my mom three years ago. Her name was Nancy as well. Oh, so, so that's sorry. Where, yeah. um, and she was a beautiful person and beautiful soul, which I think is, you know, yourself as well. So I think there's obviously something in the name. And I think that was one of the things that really additionally drew me to your podcast was like, I felt like there was a bit of my mom kind of resurfacing. Oh, and so thank you. Thank you. Yeah, she loved the ocean. And so I'm actually going to take a shell Hmm. with a couple little messages from me and my um, daughter inside. And the theory is, is that's what she, you know, that she loved the ocean. And over time, the shell will break down and go back into the earth. And so that's what I feel like that's okay. And again, you know, recognizing that each of these is something that we all, you know, that we do. And I like the idea of, you know, kind of bringing my mom along the journey as well, because she would have absolutely just loved this and been such a huge supporter of Fiona and I doing this. Again, you know, is that okay? Is that something, you know, that, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, I still, I feel like it's still natural. It's still part of the earth and, and there's still that connection. Yeah. I really appreciate the mindfulness with, with, with which you asked that question to be respectful of Spain and the environment and, and that it is, we are guests on this trail. And 
The cross of iron is an interesting place and it changes over time. People bring all kinds of things to the cross. They bring photographs, they bring bandanas and ribbons and hats and, you know, all kinds of things get put at the cross. And the important thing about the cross is that it is the, the magic in the cross and the strength in the cross is the moment you are there and the moment you set down whatever you set down and that there are other pilgrims bearing witness to that moment. And I think that's a really important thing. So Fiona, for you, as Dawn's friend, when she sets down that shell, that, that to bear witness to that moment is so important. And it's a little known fact, I think, that things don't stay at the cross forever. They are actually cleared out. And so I don't think you need to worry about the biodegradability or, or anything else about it because it is managed. The cross is managed by local people. So I, yeah, I really appreciate that you asked that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I told this story in one of my podcasts. I walked when I was 46, I walked the Camino in honor of my mom who had died at the age of 46. I'm 46, Nancy. <laughs> oh, I, I can't even believe that. <laughs> I just can't believe that. You know, I, I, my mom could never have done it. She was a double amputee due to diabetes complications and just an amazing woman. So strong. And I carried that year, I carried a photograph of my mom, my brother, myself from the previous Christmas, which we of course didn't know would be her last. And I shared the story with people. I was intending to leave the photo at the cross and I shared the people, the story with so many other pilgrims and not so many, you know, maybe five, but with them bearing witness to my story, I ended up not leaving the photo because I was complete by the time I got there. I was very very calm and, and resolved by the time I got there. And I think that the moments at the cross are what are really important. And it's the meaning you put into it that makes the difference. That'll be a beautiful moment. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I didn't have any other questions. Dawn, I don't know if you've got more on your list. I think probably uh, when we, you know, when we hang up or on the plane, Nancy, or when I'm driving later today with my daughter, because we're, we're going out to have a mother daughter day before we, before we go Wonderful. Or before, we, before Fiona and I go. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, those were my three big ones. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Please email me if you think of anything. Yeah. It would be my pleasure. And I would love to follow your journey. Is there a way that I can do that? Yeah. So part of uh, part of our, and I know you've talked to people's superpowers before. We've definitely established Fiona's is the logistical, you know, mm. queen and just the organizer, which means that there's quite a few of us that are friends of hers who have become very lazy as a result because we we know we're in very safe hands. Mine is social media uh, person, whilst oh. being um, well. Sorry, I'm nowhere near the standard of yourself, I must say. Oh but, gosh, <laughs> um, I, I definitely on all of our treks, I've been the you know the person who's taken the photos and you know let our family know. So through the beauty of um, uh, yeah, social media, we'll be doing that. But also, I think we're looking at using things like baller steps and you know different ways. But we also. Uh, which is one of our little luxury items. We purchased this little tiny keyboard to pair with our phones. So 
I think we can probably, Fiona, um, probably keep in touch with you, Nancy, and, and you know, email and, and send the odd photo if, if that's. I would um, love that. Yeah, right. I would love that. And yeah, and if you have any questions from the trail, please don't hesitate to ask. This has just been so fun to hang out with you. I can't believe my good fortune that this came together the way it did. Yeah, really good. Thank no, you. Thank you for having us. It's been fantastic and answered lots of those questions that we've had um, right at the end there. So yeah, yeah, thanks very much. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I wish you a beautiful journey. Safe travels. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye.